This morning, would you turn to Romans chapter 5, if you would? And I want to look at a few verses in there. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. We'll pick up some of the earlier parts later as we get into it, but in verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law was in the world, but sin was not imputed, where there is no law. But nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be made dead, much more the grace of God, the gift of grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. We'll look at the rest of the chapter as well as we get into it, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that today as we look at these two natures that are within all of us, that is, if we're, if we're a Christian, if we've received Jesus into our life. And Lord, you are there, you're in us. But Adam is still there. And there we have these two natures within us and the struggle between the two. And Lord, we ask that as we just analyze and we look at these two natures, as we step back and we see who's who and what's what and why they do what they do and the consequences of the one we choose. Lord, we ask that you would help us and strengthen us. Lord, that today as we look at your word, Jesus, you would be more precious to us all the time in our life, more and more and more. So all growth is, as we realize we want less of ourselves, we want more of you. And Lord, as we look at it, we pray that that's what would be happening within our heart, within our life. Jesus, we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Well, here Paul is, uh, as I even prayed, you know, he's introducing us afresh in the scriptures to these two natures that are within a child of God. He wants us to know how great God's love is for us and also how he chose us. And that he chose us not because there was anything at ever at all within ourselves, anything lovable about ourselves, anything about ourselves worthy of God's love, worthy or there's anything within us that, well, I love you because of this remarkable quality about you. No, there isn't any. As a matter of fact, earlier in chapter 5, Paul actually tells us, he says, for if when we were without strength, when the Lord met us long before we were here, he knew we were without strength. And not only were we without strength, we were ungodly. And he goes on, not only were we ungodly, he says, but we were sinners. And not only were we all sinners, we were enemies. He says in verse 10, just before we read this, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, no much more being reconciled. We'll be saved by his life. And there's something we have a nature within us, the Adamic nature that we all have that came upon all of us as a consequence of Adam's sin. But there because of that, you know, within us, with that nature, the result was is that Adam all died, the Bible says in Adam. Spiritual life ended. Physical life went on. Mental, emotional life went on. We had a body and we had a soul. But spiritually, there we were without absolutely any strength. To fulfill any capacity. God knew that better than anyone. And therefore, because we were without strength, no capacity to be anything beyond a fallen man, the result was, is that we were ungodlike. We were ungodly. We were left there just a dead 
human being that's still had a heart that would be beating and a blood that flowing and a mind that could think, but in terms of anything eternal, of any great consequence or capacity, it's gone. It's without strength. It's without God. It's ungodly. As a result, it's a sinner. It misses the mark. It's missed everything. It's missed life. It's missed everything. And as a result of that, it is now even worse than all of that is actually an enemy, an enemy of God. To realize that, you know, that this is how we were all born. This is how we all came into the world. We'll see that there. But the result was there was nothing, anything good within me that God would say, oh, I, I, you know, I see something in you that's worthy of my love, that's worthy of me helping you. No, there's nothing. Absolutely at all. Dead, gone, obliterated. And God chose us not because of anything within us, but because of who he was. Because of his love and mercy and grace. It was all about him. Or never about us at all. Any capacity to do it. We, had, we didn't deserve anything but death. But here like, you know, but Charles Spurgeon once said basically, he says, I'm so glad that the Lord chose me before the foundation of the world. Because he certainly wouldn't have chosen me after I was born. <laughs> you know, when we were, if we're honest about ourselves. And we realize how nasty and arrogant and proud and, you know, uh, and divisive and corrupt we can be. We're all, you don't have to work hard to be honest about who we are if we want to be. But when we would realize, but still God loves us. That's what Paul's wanting to tell us. He even tells us in another scripture on how that God, that the Lord Jesus, he actually, you know, presents us and brings us before God. That we have access into this grace where we stand. And that word access, it's a, it's a wonderful word, it's prosagog, protocol. It means there essentially we're introduced to God as royalty. To think there that God actually takes a person that is redeemed one day and when he goes and he presents me faultless before God right now, right this very moment. In spite of all the Adamic nature that I still have raging within me. But he still presents me absolutely as royalty before God, sinless. Flawless. You know, it, it, in heaven, the work is already done to make me conform to his image, to wake in his likeness. David once said, I'll be satisfied when I wake in his likeness. You give me anything else you want in this world. I can destroy enemies, reign as a king, build and do and accomplish and all sorts of things, but I'm not happy. I won't be happy until I awaken your likeness. That is what I want. Introduce, I want, I want what I know God in his grace and his mercy wants to give. But here, when we would realize that, that God still has taken somebody without strength, who's ungodly, who is a sinner, who is actually an enemy. We have something within us that when Adam fell and he took over his own life, when he decided he wanted to run his own life and he became his own king, at that point, it wasn't just that he was fallen. Even worse than that, he now became an enemy, the Bible says, of God. He actually says, I don't want anything to do with him. This is my body. I stole it. <laughs> I took it over. I'm going to run it. And, I, and whether you like it or not, I don't want any of your help, any of your assistance. I don't want anything from you. I'm a self-contained being. I'm all by myself and I like it. I'm going to run my own life. And we became an enemy. And we still have every one of us within that nature. We'll see as we get into it. We have that nature within us that actually looks there and it opposes God. Poses everything God wants to do within us. I will, I want, I don't need his help, his mercy, his grace, his love, any of it. I'll run my own life. Watch me. And we can go on doing it for years and years and years. When we, we, we've suffered the consequence. If we're all honest about that, we realize the disaster that we've brought into our lives, if we're honest. 
But here, Paul, though, to get into the text, he looks there and he says there in verse 12, as we began, he says, Wherefore, as by, by one man sin entered into the world. Here, Paul tells us, every one of us, this whole world, he said, sin entered into the world. And you know, that's the, and, and that's the, the effect on the world is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. You know, when you look there and, and, and you, we don't know what the Garden of Eden was like. We just have the most glorious picture human can words we can maybe have to it. Something so serene and beautiful and magnificent. And there that God would create in this garden there. But it's something there of, you know, we, I, I remember as a kid, I, my parents would take us to Yosemite in California where I live. And it's one of the most beautiful places you've ever been there. And if you ever Google and just look at it, there's, there's, it's unlike any place I've ever been in the world. Half Dome and El Capitan and the mountain range around and the beauty of the, they've just, it's untouched. They've kept it absolutely untouched. It's the closest thing almost to me of a human paradise there where they, they won't allow man to build or do anything at all. Basically, it's just been kept, the Yosemite Valley. And you just look at these beautiful fields and they're elk, deer, bear are literally walking around and you, you know they don't want you to get close to them and they'll keep their distance too somewhat elk fly all sorts of all sorts of birds and it's just so serene it is so glorious so beautiful you don't want to leave it i don't have to get in your car and go back to the city but there's something so magnificent but to realize it was once that way this world but so breathtaking so wonderful we can hardly even imagine that our world was once like that because basically, though, what happened in that sort of a garden is that sin entered. Sin entered in, in, into the, that world. And what an awful day it was. Because there, that condition is now, Paul refers to it here in this section, as the fall of man. And as far as the Bible is concerned, and that's the only truth that there is, there, as far as that's concerned, all of the world's problems, all of them, all of them, economic, political, social, moral, physical, your health, you know, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, famines, the earthquake. I mean, here God put Adam in the garden to rule and to reign. And when Adam fell into sin, everything fell with him, even creation itself, the Bible says. Romans, Paul tells us, he says, even creation itself groaneth in pain, in, in pain in, uh, until now, waiting for the adoption. Even the planet, the earth can't even hold itself together. The earth's plates are shifting. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes, everything, every part of existence is absolutely fallen as a consequence of sin entering into the world. And once that entered, everything, all of the problems of that, and, the, and everything else is merely symptomatic of it. You look at the political world. People want to say, well, I'll tell you the problem in the world today. You know, it's immigration, or it's inflation, or it's you know, the, the government, or it's you know, the wars, you know, or it's the economy, or it's you know, uh, energy, or you know, all these things, or it's the politics on this. We've got, we go to work, and what do we do? We talk about symptoms. You know, here, here's what, and we, we be in the grocery store. We talk about what's wrong. And all we do is we're just talking about things that are symptoms. We go to the doctor. We lie to the doctor. The doctor says, what's wrong? And we tell him, well, I got these beads of sweat on my forehead. I got a fever. I, I don't feel good. I got aches and pains. That's the problem. The doctor says, that's not your problem. Those are symptoms. You got a bug or whatever else it is. You know, and you need to bend over. I'm giving you a shot. You know, it seems unrelated. 
you know, of the thing, but it's something there that he looks, that's the, that is not the problem. The problem is you've got a disease that's got into your system and this is how it surfaces. And here is simply what happened when sin entered. When sin entered into the world, it all fell with him. Everything goes right back directly related to that. And here at verse you know, uh, 12 says sin entered. Verse 14 there it says Adam's transgression. Verse 15, the offense. Verse 19, it says by one man's disobedience. One man, one act, one day, one thing. And everything, the consequence of the entire history of the world, shifted dramatically, unbelievably at that moment. That which was absolute ecstasy before has now become the ultimate of agony in every way of evaluating all of creation. It all fell. And we fail so often to recognize that. We fail that whether internationally or nationally or politically or the whole world, we're always trying to fix symptoms. We do, you know, we, we're somebody there that, hey, I got a fever, I got beads of sword. You know, well, here, put a cold, you know, towel on your forehead. Well, here, well, you know, all the thing here, you got these little bumps on you. Oh, get, go get some face cream and put it all over your little measles bumps or whatever else. All these things, we're just dealing with symptoms. That's all the planet knows how to do. All the political efforts, all the moral efforts, all the other things that people are trying to do, they don't realize that at the very base of it, we've got a human identity that everybody is born in called the Adamic fallen nature. And by one man's sin, all became disobedient. All of us, every one of us were born disobedient. I, me, my, myself, I'll want, I'll have. We could care less about anybody. This mom, whoever you are, I don't know who you are, but if you care for me, you'll go feed me, you'll clothe me, you'll burp for me, about me, or whatever else. Make me happy. Adam, right there. You know, Adam and all of its, all of his glory were born, <laughs> clothed in Adam. You know, we're so, babies are so cute, we bring them home. But at the same time, we realize, you just brought home Adam. <laughs> Adam just came in, you know, and now you're trying to deal with Adam. You know, and then, and, and then the worst part of it is that now we're Adam trying to fix Adam. You know, and everywhere around, there's Adam, 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 Adam. You know, and next thing you know, we're Adam at each other. But here, it's the, the simple fact is, is that it's, if we, is that sin entered. And, the, uh, and then, you know, when it entered there, it's, it, it, it's now death has happened with them. It's, it's like, instead of saying sin entered, let's say we looked at a human body and we say cancer entered. Somebody gets a malignancy there somewhere within the, it just as soon as that enters into the body. Now it has a way, if you let it go, it permeates, permeates, permeates. You can get to the heart and get to the lungs, get to the kidney and get to the liver and get to the brain and get to the spleen, go through the blood system. And the next thing you know, cancer, cancer everywhere that they're kind of looking at. And as they're looking at it, they, you know, they, uh, they realize something now you realize you, you can't stop it. You cannot cure it. It's beyond hope in a sense. You know, we, I have a very dear friend that Pastor Joe and I have in the West Coast. Loves the Lord, wonderful person, but he got liver cancer. And here, the next thing you know, I mean, it's taking him down. And by the time they really get it identified and, 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 and what it is. 
And, you know, it's taking him down and they start putting him through all sorts of different things to deal with. All, every attack, every way to deal with it, everything. But as it's next thing you know, it's starting to grow. And so they end up getting on a, all they can to get on a list. To, you know, the list you get on for a transplant. And here's, it takes some years sometimes working through that process. Some of you have been through it in one way or another. But as there, you know, they find there by the time they're getting on this thing and they've worked for years, they've come back east to go through tests there. One, you know, hospital after another, they're finally about to get on the list. But by that time, when they go to get on the list, the team of doctors sits down and says, we're sorry, but we can't put you on the list. Why can't you put us on the list? We've been working towards this. Well, because since we started working on this, the cancer has spread to so many other areas that putting a good liver in you won't save you. It won't change anything. It's just, you know, just a good liver that will be lost. And we're sorry. And that's where society is today. We think, well, if, I gotta, if we could fix the border, if we could fix, or if we could fix what's going on in the schools, or we could fix the moral issues, or the transsexual issues, or the political issues, or the financial issues, or the immigration issues, all these things. It's like the entire system, the world system, is completely could fallen apart. Cancer, entered, cancer is in the devastating results. But it says in verse 18, by one man's offense, many died. And as by one man's offense, judgment came upon all men. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam, all die. Just that simple. And we may look and say, well, that's not fair. That isn't fair. Why, 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 why did, I, why did I have to die? Why are you telling me by one man's disobedience, I have to come to the consequence? Why is it I died in Adam? Why is it, that isn't fair. I wasn't there thousands of years ago. Somebody did something and I have to bear the consequences of it. That isn't fair. Well, the other, you know, the interesting thing that Paul's going to come out here is he says, yes, that is true. Because human lives have consequences on human lives. Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were alive, spirit, soul, and body. God, the Holy Spirit, lived within them, reigned within them, taught their mind, emotions, and will, directed their lives, filled, made their lives absolutely glorious. But when something inside them called self decided, I want to run this. When Adam was deceived, the, animal came, you know, the serpent came in the garden and says, you know something? Do you want to be like God? Yeah. Well, who wouldn't? Well, right now, you're completely dependent upon him. You do everything he wants you to do. But you know something? If you just decide to do it yourself, you'll be like him. You won't need him. Really. And he was deceived. And he did. But there he spiritually died. God told Adam in the, in the garden, the day, here's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if you eat of it, you will die. Literally present progressive dying, you will surely die. You will die spiritually at that moment to go on to death. And Adam and Eve, there in the garden, they died spiritually. God says, all right, you want to run your own life? I'll step back. I'll leave you alone. But because I'm life, the consequences is that ultimately you will die. He gave him a grace period. There in between spiritual death, where he let the body go on, now dying. He let wearing out, going down. He let the mind and emotions carry on. He gave him grace because, all right, you're going out there on your own without me and see how you like it. You decided to choose another way other than me, but I'm good because I am so loving and merciful and graceful. If you look there and realize I hate what I did, it was the stupidest thing in the world taking over, taking over my own life, running my own behavior. Look to the consequences. I've destroyed my own life. 
Here my wife and I were at each edge. Here we have our children and one of them kills another one. You, we Adam, what happened to us? You know, Eve, what happened to us? What did we, we've fallen. But I'll give you the opportunity to repent. I'll give you the opportunity to look and say, now I choose you. And every one of us are born into that world. We're born with an Adamic nature. Adam and Eve could now only pass on what was left of them after they sinned. So every one of us, we were born bodily alive, soulishly active, but spiritually dead. Spiritually without strength. Spiritually, you know, separated from God. But the process here with Paul is telling us, but, that's all, but don't worry about that. You don't have to live that way. There's another option he's going to tell us about. But first of all, he says, I want you to know that what happened is that sin entered. And when we can look there at our own life and realize it did. It got in. It got in the world. It got into everything around. You look at the entire planet and we realize the whole world's a mess because sin entered. But we also, we can't do anything about the world, but we can about our own world. Because what happens in the Bible tells us, not only did sin enter, in verse 20, he said sin abounds. There's a, there's a progression that happens. In verse 12, he says sin entered, but the next thing you know, he says sin abounds. It abounds. Has a way there about us that when it gets alongside, it, it abounds. And he even tells us the reason it abounds, in a sense, is he says, because before, you know, uh, the law from Adam... To Moses, people were sinners, but they weren't so aware of it and conscious of it until the law came that Moses brought. And because when Moses brought the law, he now he showed us a picture. This is what I made when I made you. Here are these Ten Commandments. They were Adam's nature. He loved me. I was first in his life. He didn't have any other idols. He didn't have other image. I was it. There was no other gods before me. We loved each other perfectly. We had a wonderful joy, a wonderful life. There was no anger. There was no adultery. There was no murder. There was none of this stuff that man has corrupted himself with in the fallen nature. This is it. In that, when the law came, all of a sudden, you realize, I was that? Because sometimes we think we're okay. But now the contrast, it wasn't that man now was a worse sinner. Now the contrast merely illuminated it. Any of you ever had a you know, home or something and you, you had a room that was painted white 30 years ago? And you just, people just lived in it for 30 years. And little by little, you know, you look at it, it gets dark, it gets dingy, it gets dirty, it gets faded, or whatever else happens to it. And you, say, you go get another can of white paint. You start painting a wall, and all of a sudden, they, you know, the other wall looks terrible. I didn't realize it was that dirty, that dingy. It was always that way. It's just that now what it was created to be now produces contrast. And now you look there, and, and, and now that's, that's what happened. Sin now, the law made it abound. And now we realize I'm really that bad. It was like a disease that gets in, and it progresses. And it, and it just happens, it abounds. You know, somehow or another, flu comes along. Black plague, polio, AIDS, or whatever else. It can get in society, it starts permeated. And the next thing you know, it, you know, disease enters and it abounds. COVID, whatever that was, who knows? We probably never will. And, uh, but here it, it abounds. Everybody's dealt with, uh, you know, and all, all of these things. But here, next thing you know, some comes in and it gets in, get infected. But then worse than that, now that something just entered, then in verse 20, he says it abounds. In verse 21, he says sin reigns. It rains. 
And wherever you go in the world today, right now, sin is reigning. It not only entered, but now through the system, you pick any system you want. And things that just put, entered in a great way. I, re, I remember, I'm, you know, almost, I'm pushing 80. I remember well being a kid. I remember well going, there was a respect you had for adults. There was, there was a sense of right and wrong. There was a sense of, you know, of, of the very much within, you got to school, put your hand, pledge allegiance to the flag. They would talk about God and country. It was a secular world, but at the same time, God was real, country was good. I mean, right, right, was right, wrong was wrong. There was, a, there was a morality. There was something you do and something you don't do. There was good behavior. There was bad behavior. When I was growing up and going through grammar school, and there was a man, his name was Joe Hovard. Now, here I am at this age. I still remember that name very, very well because I knew Joe Hovard very well. He was the boy's vice principal. And I spent a lot of time in his office never being a terrible kid. I, went out, I didn't bring a gun to school. I didn't bring knives to school. I wasn't selling drugs at school. I was just there. I mean, all I had to do was just give a teacher a funny look, you know, or something. Next thing I know, I'm down in Joe Hovard's office. What did you do? I don't know, Mr. Hovard. I didn't do anything. You know, I mean, here, you know, but I mean, that was, that was unacceptable. That was, you know, behavior. I mean, one time a tack, a simple little tack fell out of my hand on the teacher's chair. And I'm down in Joe Hovart's office. And if that wasn't bad enough, a piece of gum did the same thing a month later. Back to Joe Hovart. But that was terrible behavior. That was unacceptable behavior. Now, I mean, you get awards for just doing that almost. You know, you, you get a gold star or not even stuff. But I mean, you look now what's happened all the way through it. And we don't, it's so subtle. We don't realize it's permeated every aspect of human condition, politically, morally, you know, ethically, you know, every aspect of society. Look here at schools, what they're teaching children, what they want. You know, what, pick your sex. We'll help you do it. We won't even talk to your parents about it. It'll be against the law to even tell them. You know, and all, how does a society get this way where it's absolutely lost all sense of moral fiber? I'll tell you, sin entered. It's always been there, been held back somewhat, but now it's unrestrained. And then it's the next thing, it's abounding. Now it's raining. You will put your kid in that school. You will, if you, and you will behave this way if you do not respect somebody else for all of their sexual orientation and, and call them by their chosen name. You will get fired. But it's a man. No, it isn't a man. You, 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 they, how do you know? They said they're not. And we don't know what a man is anymore. We don't know. We've out before Congress has already proven that. A few years ago, everybody in the world knew what a man was. Everybody in the planet knew what a woman was. Next thing you know, we've got a woman. You know the story. Standing before Congress. They're, I mean, a smart doctor. MD. Teaching professor at a university. Asked, tell us what a woman is. And she couldn't do it. She could not do it. Now, this isn't a drunk in a back alley. This is a woman, MD, giving, and here you have been one year in total, entire life, and you don't know what you are. No, I can't do it. And now what's happened? Is she just lying through her teeth or has something happened where the Bible says God gives the world over to a reprobate mind that men choose to believe a lie rather than truth? 
It's in these last days. We're looking here at leaders choosing to believe a lie, promoting a lie, and saying, if you will not reiterate the lie yourself, you are the problem, not the person that doesn't know who they are. And here we're looking at it. It's permeated our entire, it has entered, and then next thing, it is abound, in, uh, you know, there within, and when it abounds, there, you know, within it, it takes over. And then one day, as he says in verse 21, sin reigns. It reigns. And we're watching all over the planet. Sin is absolutely reigning in the whole planet, politically, morally, ethically. We look at envy and strife and drunkenness and wantonness, pestilence and famines and wars and all of this going on. Sin is reigning, training, and is destroying everything, everything. One of my boys went through something in his life and learned a lesson. And he came and he told me a quote somebody gave him along the way. He said, sin will always take you where you don't want to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it will make you pay more than you wanted to pay. And that's what I'm sin entered. And then next thing you know, it takes you where you don't want to go. And then it makes you pay more than you want to pay. I mean, how many of us? When we just look at our personal world, we can't, the whole world, we recognize that. But do we recognize now that isn't just true on the planet? It's true because it's personally true. It's universally true within everybody else out there because it's individually true with all of us. How many of us, we would just look and realize sin entered. And time, you're just out having a good time with your friends. Let us have a beer. Let's have another beer. And next thing you know, you meet together. Let's just have some beers regularly. Next thing you know, we'll have a few more beers. Next thing you know, let's have some hard stuff. Next thing you know, something's now entered. Next thing you know, it's starting to rain. You realize, I've got to have this. I've got this. It gives me rest. It calms me down. Helps me relax. And I can't unwind. Well, but this all this, this does this. Here, Adam, the nature within us, it's anxious. It's under pressure. How do you solve it? Well, I found a solution. It's in a bottle. And the next thing you know, I'm addicted to it. Next thing you know, something that just entered. Next thing you know, it rains. You know, it, it, it abounds. And then one day, it rains. It's running your life. Or something you stuck in your arm. Or something you snorted up your nose. And the next thing you know, it gave you a high. Whoa! Is that ever something? Whoa! That, I, man, I had an idea. That is, that, that, that is exciting. You know, it's, next thing you know, I need it again. I need it again. That's stress. Pornography comes along. And, hey, this is cute. Wow, look at that. What a child. Oh, awesome. Next thing you know, you find yourself there. I, I, I need some more of it. Where can I get some more? Oh, society. Oh, we've got it all over. We got it on the Internet. We got it on your phone. We can get it. Next thing you know, it's a, we're addicted. It's, it's, it not only enters, but then one day it, it's, it's abounding. Next thing you know, we're, we're thriving on it. And the whole aspect, and it's raining, but we're hiding it. We're trying to control. And the next thing you know, it's destroying us. Destroying our relationships. Destroying our homes. Pick a sin. Pick anything. It enters. And then next thing you know, it, they'll always find a way. It'll, it'll, it'll abound. And then one day it rains. And everybody around is dying. But the result of that is, like he tells us there, he says, well, he says, what happens? Verse 12, he says, sin entered. And then death entered as well through sin. Death through sin. Once it enters, once the sin and once it begins to abound, what didn't begin along with it, now death enters. 
And then next thing you know, in verse 14, death reigns. It now enters, it abounds, and it reigns. And now the consequence, the ultimate consequence of this is there, that the finality of it all, you will die. You will die. You let it enter, you let it abound, and you let it rain. And it will kill you. Just like God told Adam in the garden, the day in which you eat of it, I will not force you to stay with me. I cannot force love. I can give you paradise and give you everything that's glorious around. I can give you Yosemite. But I can't make you stay in Yosemite. I can't make you stay and call it love. Outside of Yosemite, there's a devastating world of traffic and anger and hostility and pain and suffering of lives lived entirely outside of my presence. And if you don't want my presence, you can go into that. You can run your own life, but I will not go with you. And the consequence, because I am alive and that is death, you will suffer the consequence. You will die. You will die. And man was deceived. He was told, what do you mean we will not die? That's it. You will not die. He told you you'll die. You'll live. You'll be like him. He said, all right. I like that. And the next thing you know, the consequences. And every one of us were born with that Adamic nature. Born with that. And, 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 and every one of us, we're sitting here, you don't have to be a PhD to know what we are. Every one of us should be able to sit here and say, at my core being, I am nasty. I am selfish. What I want, when I want it, the way I want to. I dream about it, I think about it. I go to work and I wish I had this or I want that. I drive down the street and there's always something, a better house, a better car. Uh, you know, I, I go down and I, I want a better wife. I want a better husband. I want better kids. I want, I, you know, always something out there. I, me, my. We realize a damn nature within us. We all have it. We're all born with it. It's been plaguing us our entire life. Many of us, we grow up and we look through life there. And, you know, my life was ruined by my parents. You know, my, wife was, my life was ruined by my children or my job or somebody else. We always have somebody else out there that has ruined it. And yet we can move from city to city, town to town, dob to dob, marriage to marriage, place to place, all over the different planet, and everything continuously comes back and hounds us again. The same problems. Why? Because everywhere we go, we took Adam with us. Self enters. Self abounds. And self kills everything that's precious around it. And here, you know, the, the wonderful thing is, though, as Paul then tells us, though, in verse 15, but now grace. Grace comes in, he says, for if not by the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, well, much more by the grace of God and the gift of grace, which Christ hath abounded into many. Paul says, yes, sin entered, interbound, it rains, it kills, it dead, you're a goner. There's no hope for Adam. Cancer is through your entire system. You like Adam, you'll die with Adam. You'll die with him. Or, but you have a choice. We all sit here. You know, I, I hope the reason we're here is we, we've come to realize that. We're in church. Why are we here? Are we perfect? No. No. We have to keep making the choice again and again, week by week, day by day, hopefully hour by hour, we're learning to realize there is a choice, and the choice is Jesus Christ is my King and is my Lord. And if we're honest, we realize all of my problems, all of them, go back to me. 
my inability to handle anything adequately with love and grace and mercy within my heart and within my life. There but one man came into the world and he destroyed it, but then another one came in that gave us an entirely different option. And now every one of us, we have a free choice. You can just say, I, I, you know, some I like Adam. I've been Adam. I, I do what I want to, when I want to, the way I want to. All right, some people get bummed, people get hurt, people get confused, but I do love me. And by the way, we all do. There's not a person here that you don't love yourself. We do tremendously. Jesus said, he said the problem, he says, if you could only love your neighbor as you love yourself. Can you imagine getting up and, you know, we get up in the morning. What do we do? We love ourselves. First, how do I feel? Did I sleep well? Am I happy? Give me a cup of coffee. Look in the mirror. Oh, man, I got to fix self. <laughs> Give me some, I need some makeup. Look at my, I, I got to get my fingernail. I got to be hair together. I got to get an outfit on. I got to, I got I got I got to, I'm hungry. I, I, I. Well, we love ourselves. They have no problem doing that. Jesus, you know, people said, oh, Johnny's problem, he doesn't love himself. No, Johnny's problem is he's absolutely infatuated with himself. <laughs> and that's all he can think about. But when we look there and realize, I love Adam, that's me. But here in verse 14, Paul says there, you know, about Adam, that he was a type, he says, of him who was to come. That is, now there is these two natures. In Corinthians, Paul refers to Jesus as the second man, the second Adam. There's two Adams, you pick the one you want. You pick the first one, or you can pick the second. There's only been two men that have ever been born alive on this planet. The one was born out of the earth when God raised him up and breathed his spirit into him. And the other one was born of a virgin where God breathed his spirit into her. One of them was, you know, the first Adam, and the other one was the son said, now you can choose which one you want. Your choice. I will not force you to, to love me any more than I forced Adam. Because love is a choice. And here that we struggle so often because the choice. The choice. I don't want that choice. I mean, sometimes I wish, Lord, did, I would be so, just take the world away. Just take the world away. Take all this other stuff away. Lord, I do love you. I just want you. That's all I really want. But, Lord, I get out of here and I see cars and houses and jobs and I see traffic and I see uh, problems I see issues I see marriage I see kids and there's such a distraction trying to manage all those things and I just wish you'd just get rid of all this stuff and there's, I could just have you you alone oh really so I don't have to make a choice is that it you don't want to have to choose when you go out of here how, who's going to rain when you're driving down the road you don't have to choose anymore because it's a wonderful place to drive I can, I don't, when I go home, I don't have to choose again because there's tension in my family. And they're difficult people. By the way, you're all married to sinners. And then you reproduced yourself. How's that going? You know, but all these things, you look there, and, 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 look, and the only, we just, Lord, I just wish you'd take it away. It's like me if I came to my wife and said, Honey, I, can you pray for something? Liz, I'd like to, can we just pray that God destroys all the women in the world? Well, why would I want to pray? Because they're so beautiful. I get stumbled and I attracted to them. And, you know, I, I really love you. I just want you. I really do. But all this, there's billions of these wherever I go. And if they were just all gone, then, it, then I would just have you. It'd be easy. Say, I think my wife would say, I got an easy answer for that. Let's just kill you. <laughs> if, you if I am that hard to choose between all the other options out there, take the other options. 
I don't want you. I want you to want me in spite of all those things and to choose me wherever you go, at the home, at the office, at work, at school, whatever the thing is, you still look there. My heart belongs to her. Jesus does the same thing. Let you go and you got Adam wherever you go. But when we find there within our heart and within our life, we want grace because grace comes in. And then he tells us that when sin abounds, he tells us grace did much more or literally hyper abounds. God looks to you today and he says, all right, you got Adam and all right, sin abounds. All right, you're stuck with him, you know, and, and that nature until one day we meet him and it'll be down, gone. The battle will be over. But in the midst of it, Jesus says, I'm going to leave you in the world. He says, Father, I pray not that thou would take them out of the world. The world's a great place for you and I to decide, do I really want Jesus? Driving home's a great place. Going home's a great place. Going to the office, great place for me to decide, do I really want him? He said, don't they? He said Father, I pray don't take him out of the world. They need the world to help their mature, to grow in me, to love me, to realize again and again and again, repeatedly all through their life, that can never manage anything without me. They'll never do anything right without me. They won't be married right. They won't be a parent right. They won't be a child right. They won't be anything right. Every aspect of their life has been corrupted by Adam. But every aspect where sin abounds, grace hyperabounds. I will overcome every aspect of their human failure when they admit it and they choose me again and again. Now, all Christian growth is, all it is, is just choosing him more commonly and more commonly and more commonly. The, the, the battle still goes on. Adam is still there until the last breath. When, when one day, like David said, I'll be satisfied when I wake in thy likeness. All of this other nature will be gone. And I'll be conformed to your image. The battle will be over. And your grace will have won. And when we look there and we realize that is what I want. But you see, we're all born of Adam and we have that choice. And many of us, though, we sit here and we wonder, well, I, I, I know that. But why, why do I have all these problems? Some of you are sitting here today. You know, you're angry. You know, you're lustful. You're covetous. You're impatient. Whatever it is, the nature of Adam, something about you that comes up. Maybe some of you say, well, yeah, I'm angry. I'm really angry. You didn't know my home. I grew up in a home. You know, I mean, oh, maybe you, oh, you grew up in a home. You had two parents. They, had, they got you up. They fed you breakfast. They got you dressed. You had washed clothes. You know, they, they, they prayed a prayer with you. They took you to Sunday school. They walked you down to the bus stop with a nice little sack lunch. In your hand, and your grandma was there at the end of the day to pick you up and bring her home for, for milk and cookies. Oh, yeah. You don't know my home. I, you know, my home is drugs, my alcohol. My parents fought like crazy. Oh, my, they, they weren't there. Or worse than that, they abused me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the anger. You know, yeah, you'd be angry too. You'd be all of this. You'd be what you'd cover this. You'd had everything ripped out from it. You'd be in a dog eat dog world, I tell you. Survival of the fittest. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. If you don't like it, get out of my way. And we, so we have a reason. Some of you are sitting here, you're angry right now. Angry right now. Sitting in church. I could ask you about your parents. Tell me something, and all of a sudden, something would rise. Anger. Some of you, you're mad at a dad that's been dead 20 years. You're still angry. 
Matt and a mate or somebody there in a failed marriage there because they, both of you were without strength. Both of you were enemy. Both of you were ungodly. You clashed. You beat each other to death. And now you took it out on each other and now you're still mad at the other one. Even though you've come to Christ and on one hand you're forgiven, but you still look at that person. And you can't forgive him. You're angry at him. You're upset. Some of you, maybe there's something sitting in your church. Oh, maybe not next to you. Maybe they are next to you. You're angry at them. You look, I know somebody, oh, they're on the other side. I wouldn't sit on their side. If you knew them, you wouldn't sit by them either. They're a bad person. They're a, they're a really bad person. They ruined my life. Somebody else, oh, really? What should I do with them? What would you like me to do with them? Would you like me to kill them? Would you like me to kill them? Well, yeah, that would be nice. Okay, I'm open to that. But by the way, with what measure you measure it out, it shall be measured unto you. So I've got to kill you too. Okay? Well, no. Well, what should I do with you? Well, I want you to be merciful and graceful to me. Oh, well, why don't you try that with them? Oh, no, no. No, I like anger. It's, it's the immediate, natural response. I, I've built that up too much. The case has been closed. I've, I've been to court on that many times. Trial by sing jury of one. Guilty, 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 guilty. I've got the evidence, the fingerprints, the proof. They're terrible people. Oh, were you? Well, yeah. What did I do with you? I don't remember. Well, I took your sins and I removed them as far as the east or the west. I buried in the depths of the sea. I hid them behind my back. I said, behold, I'll remember them no more. You want to be like me? You want my nature? I want you to do that to them. You do that. One of the things, I've been married 55 years. And I, could t- I, I go back. Jean was much more mature, probably still is, but she was much more mature when we got married. Her reasoning was far solid. And I, we get married, and I do, I, I'm the head of the house. I'm the head of the home. That, I didn't know how to be one, but I knew I was. And here, so I'm, you know, doing stuff, and next year I would make a decision, and she just asked me, why did you do that? Now, that would make me mad. I would actually get mad because she just wondered, why did you do that? Well, honey... If you are smart enough to understand my reasoning, I would tell you. But I'm not going to tell you because it's too deep for you, you know, or something. Whatever, I'd have some reason. I had to justify it because it was more important that I was the head of the house than I was the smart head of the house. Or I knew why, or I knew caring, or I knew kindness, or love for somebody. I just did what I did over and over. And we'd have, you know, problems over. And I, in here, when I would realize, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I wanted to grow. I'd read my Bible. I did all this. And yet, we had these things between us. Things that could happen. And next, you know, I find myself there to where I, you know, that she'd ask me why. And I'd be upset. You'd be angry. be mad. You know, the thing. And here, when I would realize that, I, the amazing, I could not tell her I was sorry. I could not do it. True story. And this was repeated. This went on for a couple of years. This was not just on one day or a week or a month. This was, went on for a long time. I couldn't come to her and say, would you forgive me? I was wrong. I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. And it, I finally, when I realized I have to do something, true story, I went to her. I'd go to her and I'd say to her, I'd say, you know, I've been thinking about what happened. She said, yes. I said, I want you to know I forgive you. <laughs> true story. That was cold. That was the best I could do. And she realized it gracefully. Like, oh, thank you for forgiving me. 
She would take it, realizing he's trying. The poor guy, he can't stand up straight. He wobbles all over. He falls down on his face, but he's trying. <laughs> this encouraged the little kid here. He's growing up, maybe. But here, you know, to be kind or to be or forgiving. You know, one of the things we learned a long time ago, we wouldn't let the sun go down on a raft. We keep short accounts. But we'd have occasion. One time years ago, we lived in San Jose. And we had something, some between us, some argument. We'd never been yellers or screamers or doors, but it was enough. I couldn't take it. And uh, so I was frustrated with her. And so I just got up, went, took my pillow, went downstairs, laid on the couch. I'm sleeping on the couch. So here I am, I'm down there, and there's a little light coming in from the street light. And I realize something, and I look there, and there's Jean standing by the sofa. I look up at her, and it's ever so sweet. She just says to me something that we knew, but she just says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Well, I laid there for a moment. I thought about it, and she's standing there waiting for a response. I said, you know, I didn't get mad at you till the sun went down, so I figure I got till tomorrow night. <laughs> I said, <laughs> but I mean, we all, there's a damn nature that I'm not wrong. <laughs> a little while later, she goes up, and a little while later, I drag myself up. But the thing is, is today, here Paul says, now, sin of grace enters. And then he says, grace hyperabounds. It's greater than all of our sin. That should be that God wants that grace to not only be in me, but abounding in me. And then he says, reigning within. And when we look there, I want grace to reign within me. Grace to reign. Maybe some of you, I'm going to close here, but some of you today... You have issues. Some of you maybe, again, you're angry at somebody that's been dead years. God says, you've got to forgive them. You've got to let it go. There's somebody there that hurt you, wounded you, did, said, scarred you. What happened can bring tears to your eyes, but, is, but, but, what, but still there's that inner Adamic hostility and anger. And God says... You've got to let it go. Forgive. Whatever it is, whoever it is, whatever it is, for your own mental health, for your own joy, your own peace. For me to have to, yeah, grace to enter and to, to abound and to reign. You've got, if I'm going to sit on the throne of your heart and life and you want me to be king, this is where the rubber meets the road. Let it go. And as I close today, I'm going to, in a moment, ask you perhaps to stand if you want to. It's just between you and the Lord and what it's about. But maybe some of you, you realize, you know, I, I've been hurt and angry and Adam within me. He's destroying me. Adam's hatred, Adam's anger, Adam's impatience, Adam's jealousy. Adam, Adam, not Jesus. Adam, he's reigning. I want him off the throne. And Jesus, I want you to take that sword out of my hand, out of my heart. I want grace to reign. I do. 
And I don't care what the topic is. I don't care what it's about. I don't care if it's your home, your marriage, your kids, your grandkids, your parents, your job, whatever it is. But you're looking there, and there's some area of your life where you realize Jesus is not reigning. Oh, he's in me. I love him. But he's not reigning. And if that's you today, I'd invite you just to stand, and I want to pray for you. I'd stand, but I was already standing. But seriously, if that's you, stand, and we're going to pray in a moment. If you're looking there and realize whatever it is, I don't care. Again, it can be a hostility and anger, frustration, impatience. Just any area, your nastiness. Some area you look and see, right, that's not Jesus. That's not. I don't need to be a rocket science to know my struggles, to know these things. I'm tired, and everybody's tired. So one of the things I love about life is you get old. And the older you get, you lose your energy and your strength. Your desire to defend and fight weakens. And you just say, Lord, I want your will. I'll give you another moment. Maybe you're all living wonderfully victorious lives. You're sitting there saying, I have not any idea what he's talking about. But boy, I hope my wife stands. <laughs> I hope my kids stand. I hope somebody else say, you know, yeah, they need, you know, but, but when you may, and I'm not just, this isn't, I'm not giving out lottery tickets. I'm just for this, this, that. I'm just, but it is for you. It's your own lottery to say, Lord, I want to win. And if winning means admitting Adam is a failure. And Lord, I'll have to make that decision when I get out in the car and I start driving. We go home. Maybe some of you. You need to forgive. Or you, some of you maybe even need to look at each other. And maybe, you know, look and say, you know, I've been thinking about what I said on the way to church or yesterday. And I want you to know I forgive you. And maybe your mate will get it and say, all right, that's a start. I forgive you too. And when we look there and you get home and you get everywhere you go, Adam will go with you. Everywhere you go, grace is there to abound. Jesus says, choose. Choose today who you want. You get whoever you choose. Lord, we thank you for your grace. And Lord, I pray that today that each one, for whatever reason they're standing, none of my business is theirs. But they look and say, Jesus, I, I, the issue today isn't do I know you. Maybe some are standing they realize Jesus come into my life. But maybe others realize the problem is that Jesus is in my life, but he's not reigning. He's not reigning. Adam still reigns. And everything he does dies. But Lord, we want everything you do to live. We ask that you would just breathe fresh love and fresh anointing and a fresh breath of your spirit upon us. Fresh life within us, Lord, to touch and strengthen and to bless and renew, Lord, each and every person that stands. Something would just sweep over them, saying, Jesus, just take over. I know I'll have to make this same decision in an hour and in six and tomorrow. But, Lord, help me to make it better and better as the years go by. And I realize till to my last breath, the choices will still be there. But I pray they'll be simpler and quicker and more automatic realizing I've learned Adam really well and I'm disgusted with him but I love you so Lord fill and reign and touch our lives every one of us we ask it in Jesus name amen